0: And so I found myself uh, uh, kind of being entrenched in the thought process of Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel. And I was uh, recently reading uh, through the Gospel of John. Now, many of you that have been in the church uh, for many years or beginning to follow the Lord, you've heard people say, when when a question is asked, where do you start reading? And many times you'll hear people say, the Gospel of John. Well, for whatever reason, I never found that uh, the best place where I thought I should start uh, because uh, Matthew and Mark is a little bit more right to the point. This is what is the truth, and this is what you need to do. I'm um, that kind of a personality. John speaks in a language that you don't get it until you get it. John speaks in a language that seemingly is on a spiritual level, more so than just a bottom-line practical level. So I found myself a little overwhelmed with some of the the, the meanings behind his, his, uh, to me, not so clear to the point information. He takes you on a spiritual journey. And the whole concept of the Gospel of John is who you and I ought to be more so than what we need to go do. Does that make sense? He's talking about a language that changes your inside, whereas the others are simply saying that when you follow Jesus, this is the outside. You need both. And what added to my my search as I'm looking through the Gospel of John is because I realize that I run into people or hear about people all the time who are no longer following God. Anybody run into that? Their faith began. Their faith was moving them. Their life was changing. God's blessing was coming. And for whatever reason, something happens, and they lose their connection. They lose the quality of their relationship. Circumstances and things have taken them and moved them away. As a pastor, I am always intrigued with how that happens, number one. And number two, how can I best try to protect and encourage and keep us in the faith? Just this past week, I heard of another one. And it's interesting when you think in terms of these kind of relationships or the quality of of people, There are those that you and I are well aware that if the relationship isn't very deep, it probably doesn't last very long. But every so often you hear of people that as far as you understood, man, they were going all out. They were committed to God. Uh, they had been doing it for a long time. And when that begins to break, you ask yourself why. As I'm looking through the Gospel of John, I realize that in this Gospel there are many references to some of the secrets that keep you in the kingdom. Some of the secrets that really unbury the uniqueness of a deeper kind of life. I trust that as we go from 2018 into 2019, one of our desires might be, I want to be deeper. I want to be more connected to God than simply just... A shallow or sort of an introductory kind of commitment. I need some depth. John chapter 1, uh, please turn with me to the first chapter, and I'll begin reading verses 1 through 9. John chapter 1, 1 through 9. Now, in the beginning was through him, the world did not recognize him. We'll stop right there. As you can see right away, Maybe our minds are spinning really fast. We're not exactly sure what uh, 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 the Apostle John is attempting to communicate, but we're trusting one thing. It's really God working through John. And the way he works through is he creates enough mystery that keeps us on our knees, number one, but he creates enough mystery that causes us to say, I've got to know more. And that's the beauty of the Gospel of John is to whet your spiritual appetite, to give you a hunger, a thirst, a desire, an insistence that I find out how those pieces apply to my life. Because one thing we are well aware of is simply knowing the right answers as a Christian is dangerous unless we discover the right application. To simply be informed is is not necessarily better for us It's to be informed with discovering the secret of being transformed. And we must always continue to grow with a commitment to to Christ in such a way that these truths make a difference in in this life. As we look at verses 6 through 8 is where I want to begin uh, breaking down a little bit and then build upon that by looking at several other verses. In verse 6-8, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. It's the book of John. The guy that writes the book of John is one of the disciples of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He experienced Jesus. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. They probably grew up joking about various things in life. They experienced life completely together. And then when they're both about 30 years old, God begins to take them down this course, this journey with his sovereign plan to establish a whole new world kingdom uh, that uh, Jesus came to do. But what's interesting about John is he came in verse 7, John the Baptist that is, he laid within these terms and the comparison of light and truth and darkness uh, is all seemingly tied together. Most of us can quickly uh, uh, recognize, though, that this one who comes to testify is John the Baptist. He's the one who's the witness. He is the, the man of preparation. He is the one who came to, to prepare the way for the Lord, for the ministry of Jesus, and his preparation was primarily to be expressed by inviting people to the Jordan River to be baptized. And so it's important to ask ourselves and humbly consider, do we still need the John guy since the Jesus guy has already showed up? As you and I begin to experience life and we begin to desire the change that God has promised, you and I might be continually aware more so and more so that this preparatory work is extremely important. But the preparatory work is never completely finished in us, so we constantly need the ministry of John the Baptist in our lives. And I want to present this because sometimes we can get one thing ahead of another, one thing that might be simply explained if you show up in a conversation that's already been going on there's a good chance that you don't really know completely what the conversation's about, and so you might begin to engage in dialogue, and people might look at you after a while and say, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's important to know that that introductory not only has to do with an understanding of the information of the gospel, it also has something to do with with the core foundations that keep us from reaching and taking what is called cheap grace. Some of us may be familiar with the concept. Let me try to simplify it. All I got to do is believe and get to heaven. I can still live like I'm going to hell. That's cheap grace. It's to simply take the sacred truths that Jesus gave. Without the preparation, there's a good chance you and I might take Jesus and misunderstand the beauty of what he came to do. And so as we look at this, we go back to the, the preparatory uh, concepts and principles that are taught through John the Baptist ministry. And I trust that we might humbly ask ourselves, have we lost the beauty of the preparation work? Have we lost the beauty of the importance of preparing my life so that when the message of good news comes, it's good news that changes my life? It's not simply good news that teaches me what I can get away with. It's good news that transforms me from the inside out. I believe that one of the most important secrets of understanding a commitment to Jesus Christ, particularly in this generation and age, is that the devil is working overtime to take, uh, to rob, kill, and destroy. And some of the key ways he works is he goes for the foundation. And when he can crack the foundation, he can get to the core things that hold you and I up, you and I might find ourselves uh, really shot with his unique missiles. Mark chapter 1. I'd like us to compare a, a thought process as we go back to Mark's God chapter 1. Now, you'll notice in John's gospel, he never really tells you what John's message of light and preparation is all about. He gives simply the mention that John was keenly aware he's not the, the, the light. And so uh, John's gospel, uh, In to get to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need to understand the significance of baptism in the water. The preparation is the ministry that John has come to present for us as we humbly consider the importance or the significance of that, we need to tap into a few things and ask ourselves questions whether or not these, these foundation concepts have become part of the framework that your life and my life is built on, but more importantly, are they still the foundation stones of our faith? The first thing that stands out rather quickly as John is inviting people to to experience this baptismal uh, uh, experience is as they were going to the river, there was an awareness of something I need to say before I get wet. And it's called confession, the confession of sins. You can imagine at the scene of baptism, the the outpouring of, of this confession that came out from the people, and we say, how did that happen? I mean, that must have been a messy kind of situation. Well, you and I are well aware of the journey of life that uh, confession um, ought to naturally begin to flow and work in our lives. Some of us are um, a little bit more attuned to the fact that uh, though Jesus Christ has paid a huge price for my salvation, I still must confess. I still must say it like it is, is what the word means. I need to to simply be keenly aware that the confession is a major part of the journey. As long as you and I are in need of forgiveness, or anyone's in need of forgiveness of sins, confession contributes to that whole uh, ministry. How do we prepare for the ministry of the Lord is The confession of our sins. It's probably one of the most beginning fundamental things in in beginning to establish a faith is as much as Jesus has provided all the means for forgiveness and grace by his gift or dying on the cross and to give us life, he still has given us a unique responsibility. I will pay for everything you lay out on the table you need to lay it out on the table. It's important to understand confession isn't so much that you're telling God something he doesn't know. It's just part of the cleansing preparatory work. John was promoting a baptism that when we came to the baptismal waters, there was all the cards laid out. Now, no doubt that most all of us have come to that place where we laid everything out. We've confessed our sins of the past, and yet I trust that most of us are well aware that that list continues to keep on happening in our lives. Quite often, uh, we might uh, find ourselves uh, feeling as if our security is a little bit uh, uh, more assured, and we might find that our, our lifestyle is beginning to change, but trust me, if you're anything sort of like me, some days you just aren't as spiritual as others. I'll leave it as a safe way. The flip side might be is sometimes we think of sin as the big things we do in life, whereas the sin that Jesus came to cleanse has much more to do with the secret private world than the public. Quite often, if the secret private world can be dealt with, the public is a piece of cake. Most of us as Christians, are not falling into the great, big, large sins of life. It's the subtle, secret little areas. My thoughts, my motives, my attitude, my self-talk. My areas of wandering through life that are not pleasing to God. Just simply being careless or Losing a sense of my priorities. What's important is the foundation stone that John presented to us is there is a Savior. When you confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I realize Jesus has picked up the tab, but it does not minimize the beauty of making a moral and fearless inventory of our lives. To begin to be honest about the evaluation that God is able to communicate. We see it in John's ministry. We see it all through the Bible. The importance of uh, presenting ourselves in confession. A second thing that's important that we find within the ministry is we're going to go to Luke's gospel, chapter three. Luke's gospel, chapter three. It's one thing for John to simply say, hey, prepare the way for the the Lord's coming and we leave it at that. We have actually a lot of details given to us. And so we we could probably put pieces together and probably have a lot better of idea of what it looked like when John the Baptist was in his ministry. Sin is a serious problem. And judgment is connected with sin that is undealt with. We mentioned confession of sin is what enables us to be lifted of all the charges. There's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But what set the tone of the urgency of getting it right is the people were coming to be baptized and John says, hold it. Before we enter into the importance of baptism, we need to remind ourselves confession is important with a motive connected to it. And this is important in Our commitment to Christ and our faithfulness to the Lord is not only are we confessors of the stuff that contaminates life, but we are also keenly aware that the judgment of God is still a reality. Probably what keeps us in checks and balances when you drive your car is if you get in the wrong lane, it's not so much about getting a ticket, it's having a head-on collision we are keenly aware that there are safeguards in life that God has given to us, and the important thing is, is that we keep on focusing upon the goal of heaven, and we humbly choose to realize God's judgment is a real deal. Now, we realize that people don't talk about hell anymore. I mean, preachers are kindly told, you know, that's one of those areas you need to soften it up. You need to pat it up with a lot of God's love and grace. And and, uh, I I try not to scare people or scare the hell out of people. I try to communicate uh, God's love and grace. But what if I don't get it right? What if I don't begin to live the right way? There really is. A hey, real hell. And I'll simply leave it at that. John made it clear that the judgment of God, it's coming, it's coming fast, but there's a way out. That's important. That's what motivates us to get it right, to do it right, to live it right. We want to make sure that we're definitely in on the road that leads to life. John is preparing the way so when Jesus comes, he's simply reaping a harvest. He does the lousy work. Who in the world wants to be the prophet that's speaking condemnation? He's kind of a turn-a-burn guy. He's a guy that says you got to get it right or you got it wrong. Well, you and I as we we humbly come to Christ need to be aware that is still a reality, that there will be a judgment uh, on, on uh, that day in which we are held accountable. But fortunately, the good news is Jesus came and said, you don't lose sight of the judgment. You just begin to live more carefully so that you and I can be fully assured it's been paid for. What keeps the checks and balances of life keeps us in a healthy relationship. I do a lot of work with electric, electricity. Anybody knows, you really don't want to play with electricity. Now, Tom does. He, he puts his finger right in there, but I'm a little bit more of a chicken. I'm well aware that if you get fried, there's sometimes you only get fried once and then, you know, it's over. That's partly because I had a dog when I was much younger and he took a leak on the electric fence and he convinced me, you don't want to play with electricity. That poor dog made round and round about two, three times around the property and I think he he was really hurting for certain. So I kind of visually have in my mind that that's what happens when you play with electricity. The same thing is to play with the grace of God it'll zap you more than a jolt of the electric fence. You and I need to be aware that we are in a right place, and I trust that you and I constantly keep in mind, i got to be in a right place. Just simply believing that somehow Jesus magically has exempted us from everything, and we don't need to be careful, that is. So he paints the picture that the axe is already laid in verse uh, Uh, Nine, Luke chapter 3, the axe is already at the root of the trees. That's every single one of us. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's two aspects of, of the wrath or judgment of God. It's important to understand the one simply will allow you to be known as a child of God. That is through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But that does not erase the importance of producing fruit. Um, I'll never forget the time that uh, somebody had given us some vegetable plants, and the vegetable plants grow great. They were nice and green, but they never produced vegetables. They were cute, I guess. Now, it could be because we've got a lot of wild animals along, and they probably ate them before I got to see them produce. But I like to use the illustration anyway. There was a plant I actually saw that, as far as I know, it was the right plant that's supposed to grow uh, this vegetables, but it did not produce any fruit. You and I need to realize that we are saved for a purpose, that Christ called us for a unique reason. He gave us gifts. He gave us abilities. He he placed upon us uh, the concept of obedience and loyalty and devotion to Christ. The important thing is there is a day that the inspection is not only, are you in, but is their fruit and so we have the vine and branches chapter you know he cuts off the branches that produce no fruit and we'll just simply leave it at that what's important is John's ministry sets the tone for you and I to say between you and I Lord I need fruit my commitment is not simply to figure out how I can get to heaven free of charge my purpose in life is to produce fruit That will radically change the way we look at scripture. It will radically change the way we pray. It will radically change the way our commitment to the principles of Christ. It'll radically change the discipleship concept. It'll radically change what you and I call loving God and loving our neighbor. It has to do with that fruit that is burst and born within us. John sets the tone for that. He's preparing the way so that when Jesus talks about these things and about these principles, everybody knows what that means is I must continually be a person that is real before God and confesses my sin. I don't want a long tab run up assuming that Jesus somehow will continue to to pay it, and nor do I want to live a life that there is no fruit and be comfortable or Okay with that one another uh, principle pertaining to John the Baptist is very important is 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 the concept of baptism itself uh, Many of us are well aware that uh, at some point we may have made a commitment to Christ and we had sort of heard what you do next is you You, you come to the front of the church and you get into the watery fountain back here and we get baptized And the blessings or the promises associated with that, we might be somewhat familiar with that. Some of us may have grown up that the secret to getting to heaven is to make sure you're baptized. But the important thing is, baptism is not in itself the secret to a changed life. It's what baptism means has a huge impact on who you and I are. And so we need to realize it's John the Baptist who has set the tone... For the importance of being baptized so that Jesus, when he begins his Holy Spirit work, that that baptism can be built upon and so that you and I can be baptized with the second baptism, and that is by the Spirit and fire. The first baptism is a water baptism. The second baptism is a Spirit and fire. Some would say the two go together. Not going to debate that at this point. The important thing is to understand what is it about the baptism? Romans chapter 6. Please turn with me to uh, the letter to the Romans. Now we could use lots of different scriptures, and what's important is the foundations. The foundations are, is we've come to a place where we realize that these foundations are what continues to support the Baptist may have come across as if he's saying, this is what you have to do. You must confess your sins, and you must produce fruit. And it won't take you and I long to figure out, it's really hard to produce something, that God is really the producer. It won't take you long to begin to follow Christ and realize that you and I don't have what it takes if you're really honest about sin, you'll realize that sin can, can actually make you pretty depressed, because the harder you try not to think evil thoughts, it's amazing how quick your mind is filled with evil thoughts. Regardless of how determined you are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you realize you love yourself way too much. It doesn't take long for you and I, if we're honest, to realize this is impossible, but if somehow you can keep sin way out there as, as the big top 10 and you can keep somehow love and devotion to Christ as sort of a fluffy imaginary idea, it's relatively easy to be a Christian. You can just sort of just go through life and not really get specific and therefore you'll be okay. But as soon as you learn how to be brutally honest and listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, it's gonna rip you to pieces. Baptism is a faith statement Now, certainly, we got to get wet to get baptized, okay? I'm not minimizing that. But baptism is an identity thing. I believe that it's not me anymore. It's Christ living in me. Through the belief system that I've been crucified, the old me is dead. It's been nailed to the cross, and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ living in me. Huge difference. John the Baptist is setting the tone. The one coming after me is the secret. The victory lies in your concept of faith that it's confession allows uh, the cleansing to take place. And by, by means of a commitment to fruit is God is able to produce that within me it's faith, it's an identity thing. And that's so important is sometimes we struggle with with different sins and temptations because we forget who we are. Let me put it this way. Every one of us knows certain places you go, you got to behave. We'll just take the White House, for example. If you're invited to the White House, even though maybe not too many people are being uh, diligent in their behaviors in the White House, when you get to the White House, you better do it right, okay? So here we live in this double world that the people that live in the White House may or may not really be honest and genuine and pure, but trust me, you've got 10 guards or 20 guards watching you on cameras, you better get it right. And I no doubt any one of us, if we're invited to the White House and you're there, you'll have no problem obeying because you remember who you are and who you're supposed to be. A commitment to Christ is about an awareness that I represent Jesus, I live for Jesus, I belong to Jesus, it's no longer me, it's all about Him. And sometimes we need to allow our faith to rise, that it's not my struggle against sin, it's my struggle to simply trust the Jesus who can change all that. It's an identity thing. And when we come to the point when we are willing to allow Jesus to shine through us, his, the Christ in us, then your Christian life changes. As long as it's you and I out there trying to fight the devil and trying to get it right on our own strength, our own resources, our own energy, you and I are going to find it's quite a match. It's John the Baptist ministry that reminds us it's a face that it's not me anymore. It's Jesus. So on Judgment Day, what is the criteria to get through those pearly gates? It's whether or not Jesus is right here inside of you. Aren't you glad it's not your performance? Aren't you glad it's not that you earn many points? It's because of Christ on the throne of the heart. It's an identity thing. As I've allowed Christ to be the predominant one in my heart, I acknowledge who he is and what he's done, and the loyalty and love goes to him. There is the secret to change. One final thing we'll simply touch upon in John's Gospel, and then we'll wrap This up, John chapter 1, and we'll look at uh, uh, verse 29. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's just drop down again. Verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, He said, look, the Lamb of God. Verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. John's job was to get you to Jesus. What's important to recognize is the foundation of all John's ministry is the preparation that drops you off in the presence of Christ. And so the secret to the life that John is preparing is, have we come to Jesus? Have we found ourselves not only coming to him, but it says they followed him? The secret to this life that I trust not only is important in our relationship, but where we go in 2019 is who you and I are following. We can still have a tendency to follow our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own dreams, our own imagination, but we've come to a place where following Christ is what this is all about. You lose sight of Jesus, we really don't have much in this life. There's no real clarity, no real direction, no uh, real uh, way of, the, of anchoring our faith. Our faith is in person, and his name is Jesus. And because of what he did and all that he promises, that comes with huge number of benefits. The other option is we simply become religious. We try to do things that are nice and good, and we try to do things that we convince ourselves are important things to do. That may be completely different than the good news that Jesus came to give. What's important is we're following the right person. I guarantee you, you follow the right person, you're getting to the right place. The secret to this life is a relationship with Christ following, This is what John set the tone. He simply brought them, and when they saw Jesus is the one, they left John, and they followed Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by the reality that there are so many things that we may never clearly understand, but give us the courage to embrace the things that you made clear to us. I especially pray for our church that you would protect us from the evil one, as it scares each and every one of us to think about how quick life comes along and sweeps away some of our best friends. We trust you, Lord, that as you lead and you direct, that you might sustain us right in deep within our hearts and lives. We do pray that as we journey along with an assurance of the the quality of relationship that you give, We pray that we might gather the words, the phrases, the truths that maybe we can help bring some of these people back. We give you thanks and praise. To you be the glory in Jesus' name.